Welcome to Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 15th. This is your host, Anastasia Yaglova. The images of the savagely beaten Morgan Songerai, the leader of the opposition to Robert Mugabe's regime in Zimbabwe, have caused an international media storm. Having formed the Movement for Democratic Change, or MDC, in 1999, Songerai has been adamant and ubiquitous in the opposition struggle against Mugabe. Cato policy analyst Marian Tupi offers his comments today. What does the savage treatment of Zimbabwean opposition leader Morgan Swangarai, while in police custody, say about Robert Mugabe's regime? Well, I think it shows, or rather, it reminds the world on the true face of the Zimbabwean regime. The regime has been responsible for great human rights abuses in Zimbabwe, as well as economic meltdown in the country. And the recent breaking up of the opposition rally and beating up. Of the leader of the opposition, whilst in police custody, suggests that the level of violence has really not diminished. Why did Zimbabwean officials go to such lengths to break up the opposition rally? There now seems to be a growing consensus that Mugabe, despite this external expression of force and power, seems to be losing his grip on government. There are two factions within his own party, Zanu PF, that he was previously able to play against one another. One group belongs to Joyce Mujuru, who is the vice president of Zimbabwe, and the other one is dominated by a government minister, Nan Gagwa. Before this year, Mugabe tended to be able to play these against each other, but now there seems to be a growing consensus that the two groups have united against him. That the Zanu PF, which is the dominant party in Zimbabwe, has come to a realization that Mugabe staying in power is really against interest of the party, as well as the interest of the country as a whole. And so Mugabe seems to be increasingly isolated, and consequently, there is a chance that this year could be really important for Zimbabwe, and hopefully, we will see some kind of developments, political developments there. Hasn't the MDC been provoking the government in Harare as well? It seems that Swangira is equally guilty of violence. Well, the question that every opponent of totalitarianism has to ask: when enough is enough? Mugabe started his reign of repression and started destroying the economy already in 2000. And for the past six to seven years, the opposition was very clear that they wanted to only pursue peaceful opposition to Mugabe. But as the situation in the country deteriorates, both economically and politically, it is very difficult, I think, to keep the emotions down. As you know, in Zimbabwe, political protests are more or less、uh, forbidden. It is impossible for the opposition to have political rallies; those are, in fact, illegal. But the opposition, at the same time, needs to express its disapproval of government actions somehow, and that obviously leads to illegal gatherings, just as the ones that happened under the communist regime in Eastern Europe and Soviet Russia, which had been broken up by the government. But I don't. See it as a provocation. I see it as really an expression of people's right to gather and to oppose the government in a peaceful fashion. How do other African countries view Mugabe's regime? Well, I think that was the greatest disappointment of the last six to seven years. 
Thabo Mbeki and other African leaders have come up with the idea of African Renaissance. African leaders were supposed to commit themselves to good government, to liberal economic principles, but also to democracy and respect for human rights. Ironically enough, it was in Harare that the so-called Harare Declaration was signed uh, some years ago, which bound African leaders to respecting human rights. And, of course, it is in Harare that many of these abuses are now happening. So, in answer to your question, most of the African leaders have been silent. There were some who expressed disagreement or disapproval of Mugabe's actions, but most Africans have simply closed ranks and they have not condemned him to the extent that we would certainly like. And the greatest disappointment here surely must be South Africa. Don't African governments view Mugabe as a kind of hero of the opposition to colonial rule? Uh, certainly, he has played that role very, very well. He has described his actions over the past six years as a way of redressing the wrongs of the past, which is to take away the land from white farmers, giving them to the black inhabitants of Zimbabwe. But, of course, as a result of his actions, whatever their merits, was economic collapse in Zimbabwe, which had a disproportionately negative effect on the black Zimbabweans. They were the laborers, they were the consumers who have lost out most. So why has South Africa been so reluctant to get involved? And what does Thabo Mbeki's quiet diplomacy even mean? That is a good question. Basically, what Thabo Mbeki has argued is that in order to prevent things from getting out of hand in Zimbabwe, he had to talk to ZANU-PF, try to bring about a reform in Zimbabwe through ZANU-PF. And that hasn't really worked out because Mbeki's Quiet diplomacy is now six years old, and the situation in Zimbabwe has been deteriorating further and further. And so, of course, the questions are, what exactly is it that Thabo Mbeki is trying to accomplish? Why is it that he hasn't been tougher on Mugabe? And I think that here an interesting historical analogy presents itself. In the 1970s, when Rhodesia was run by a government which was internationally isolated, it was South African government which actually brought about change in Zimbabwe, or as it was then known, Rhodesia, by basically cutting off supplies to the Rhodesian regime. And the Rhodesian regime at the time quickly had to come to a negotiated settlement with their opponents. It is unfortunate that South Africa, which really is the only country which can impact the situation in Zimbabwe because South Africa has such strong economic ties to Zimbabwe and Zimbabwe is so reliant on the South African electricity and supplies. It is unfortunate that South Africa hasn't taken a stronger role in this matter. Some have suggested that simply Becky is reluctant to go against a fellow black leader, which would be consistent with decades of an agreement, a sort of implicit agreement in Africa that one African leader doesn't criticize the other. But despite Mbeki's best wishes, the situation in Zimbabwe may be getting out of hand and eventually Zimbabweans will solve this by themselves without South African assistance. Do you think Swangira is headed for the presidency? I think that once Mugabe goes and ZANU-PF is very likely to split, and when that happens... If free and fair elections can be pulled off, Morgan Sangarai will likely become president of Zimbabwe. 
The majority of support for the Cato Institute's work comes from individuals, and Cato depends solely on tax-deductible contributions to provide the public with a wealth of free resources, including this podcast. We hope you'll consider supporting or even joining Cato. For information, please go to www.cato.org.